0: Welcome to Men's Health Monthly with Dr. Tom Walsh, Director of the University of Washington's Men's Health Center and Associate Professor of Urology at the UW, featuring important topics dealing with men's health, including prostate cancer and erectile dysfunction. Here's your host, Neil Scott.
1: Well, welcome to the May edition of Men's Health Monthly, where we take a deep dive into those issues that are specifically of concern to men. As the COVID-19 lockdown continues, we certainly hope that you're following prescribed guidelines with personal hygiene, social distancing, and wearing a mask when around others. These are pretty challenging times to be sure, and good health, good men's health, must continue to be a priority. I'm Neil Scott. My co-host is one of the top authorities on men's health on the West Coast. He's Dr. Tom Walsh, surgeon, professor, and director of the University of Washington's acclaimed Men's Health Center. He joins me every month to discuss topics targeted to men and provides good, solid resources for immediate action. I've so enjoyed having him with me every month. Hello, Tom. I hope you and your family are doing well during these crazy COVID times.
0: Hello, Neil. Uh, It's good to hear your voice, Uh, and we're doing okay. Uh, You know, we're surviving. I've got two nearly teenagers at home, and this is a particularly special week in men's health because this is the week that the governor is allowing us to get back to some of the work that we do, and so hopefully we'll get to talk a little bit about that today, and this is a week where we begin to get men back, getting the things that they need done that are so important for their health and longevity. As
1: we mentioned last month, the UW Men's Health Center is open. They are taking appointments through telemedicine, and now in person as well.
0: I think, as everyone knows, Governor Inslee has put forth what I think is a great plan for a phased opening of King County and the greater state of Washington. One of the things that was very early on stopped in order to protect our public and our patients and our health care providers and to conserve personal protective equipment was the cessation of Elective surgery, and there's a lot of debate about what is elective and what is not. And I don't intend to bring that here today. But there are a lot of things that can be delayed uh, for either weeks or even months, or in some cases, longer. And we've been adhering to these guidelines for some time now. In the governor's allowance for places like UW Medicine and the UW Men's Health Center to begin providing. What we consider elective care. We really had to go through a number of different things to make sure we kept patients and the public safe. All of the patients that we are seeing for surgery in UW Medicine are screened or tested for COVID-19 within a three-day window beforehand. So we know that we are in a, essentially a, as close to a COVID-free environment as we can be. We've made assurances that we have the appropriate protective equipment should it be needed and we screen everyone who comes into our office and into our OR. So, so what, one of the most critical things about healthcare being back open for business is that we need men to become reconnected with healthcare. And I don't just mean in the men's health center, I mean to their general healthcare. We know that for the last few months, men have not been getting their routine screenings. They may not have been getting the colonoscopies that they need. They may not have been receiving the vaccines or the PSA checks that they need. And a lot of patients are staying away and being afraid. And in doing so, they're not being screened. They're not being vaccinated. And this puts them at significant risk. So I just want everyone to know that it is safe and even safer, perhaps, to return to doing these things. Letting these things go may have repercussions for you in the future. So do the screenings and the healthcare things that you need to do. Uh, What I like to say is when I'm at work, I feel like I'm in the safest possible place.
1: Good to hear. You know, we have a number of listener questions from the anonymous inbox, but first, I'd like to introduce our special guest who is a colleague of yours and may want to chime in on the answers. Each month, we welcome a different guest to join us. And this month, we are pleased to be joined by phone, since all of us are truly social distancing, by Dr. Akash Kapadia. He's a senior fellow and acting instructor of andrology at the UW Men's Health Center. He has a degree from the University of Alabama. He did his urology residency, by the way, down in Portland at the Oregon Health and Science University. Welcome to Men's Health Monthly, Dr. Kapadia.
2: Hi, Neil. Thank you so much for having me on air today. It's a real pleasure to join you today and also join my mentor and dear friend, Dr. Tom Walsh. Uh, and uh, I'm excited and looking forward to engaging in this uh, great conversation with you guys.
1: You know, some of our listeners may not be familiar with andrology, which is the branch of physiology and medicine which deals with diseases and conditions specific to men. What exactly does an andrologist do, Dr. Kapatia?
2: Andrology specifically refers to. The field of uh, studying and treatment of men that suffer from really a couple of conditions, uh, one being male infertility, and the second... Uh, issues uh, that lead to sexual dysfunction. The study or the fellowship in andrology is really focusing on those two primary issues that a lot of our men suffer with.
1: We are delighted to have you join us, and as I mentioned, each month we field questions from listeners. We do not reveal names. We just deal with the questions, and this month we have some interesting questions. We'll start with one from Mark from Edmonds. I've listened to Men's Health Monthly for a long time, and I've never heard you address a problem that I have. You talk about erectile dysfunction, the inability to get an erection, My problem is the opposite. I can get an erection, but when I have sex with my partner, I'm so excited that I ejaculate within minutes, much to the dismay of my girlfriend. How can I slow down and last longer? Are there medications for
2: this? As I mentioned, Neil, we talk about erectile dysfunction quite a bit, but really what we address is sexual dysfunction, which comes in many different forms. And what our listener is describing is specifically referred to as premature ejaculation. This is a fairly common condition, but we don't exactly know how many men suffer from it because it is not something that we survey regularly and it's not something that men typically feel comfortable bringing up with many of their providers. It is very much a subjective diagnosis, meaning we do not have a number in mind that we that we refer to as, as something that we consider premature ejaculation or normal time of ejaculation, meaning a patient, if he feels that he is ejaculating prematurely and would like to last longer, by definition that does support the diagnosis of premature ejaculation.
0: So it's a really A self perceived sense of orgasming too early, achieving climax too early. I think there are some brackets we put around this, though, Neil. You know, I mean, some men just have a misperception of what is normal and what is not. And and I'll give you an example. I've had some men say, you know, gosh, doc, we have intercourse for for 10, 15 minutes and I just climax too early. And, And that really is not premature ejaculation. The vast majority of men who experience the condition that that are are anonymous in-basket from Mark, it's really on the order of seconds, 10s, 20, 30, 40 seconds. That really can cause duress for a man or for his partner. But the good news is there are uh, a number of different treatments for this, and there are things that can help.
1: Are there medications?
0: There are a number of different medications and a number of different approaches. I firmly believe in what I would call a multi- modal approach to this and there's really three arms to it one is behavioral this is the kind of diagnosis where i think many men would benefit from sexual health counseling and what that is is using biofeedback and counseling to essentially help men control their urge to climax sometimes that is by giving oneself a sort of a slightly painful stimulus or changing one's thought patterns, or simply retraining your body using withdrawal techniques. There's also some training that happens alone when you're not with your partner, which is usually the, the safest and best place to engage in those types of training scenarios. Number two is that a lot of sexual sensation comes from just that. It's topical sensation, and we all know that there are ways we can dull topical sensation with topical anesthetics. And there is a topical anesthetic that is available. There have been randomized control trials with using a spray-on topical anesthetic. One of the fun ones that we frequently refer patients to is a product called Promescent. My disclosure is I have no invested interest in the company Promescent, but this is available from drug stores without prescription and can be purchased online and has been clinically proven to diminish premature ejaculation. And then the third thing are oral medications. I'm sure many of our listeners have heard of drugs called antidepressants or a class of drug called SSRIs, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. These are the most common medications that are prescribed for mood disorder. And they have a a unique side effect, which is that they can often suppress climax or what we call lengthen orgasmic latency. So when we use these drugs, either continually or on demand, we're actually seeking out the side effect. But that should only be used in conjunction with a healthcare provider, and you could talk to your primary care doctor or your men's health care provider about that.
1: A question from Bellevue. William writes, I am 32 years old and have had numerous penis infections related to my foreskin. These are inconvenient, they're painful and embarrassing. I wish I'd been circumcised. Is there anything I can do to avoid these nasty infections? I wish I had been circumcised, but I believe it's too late. Am I right?
2: So what our listener is describing uh, currently is a condition called balanitis or balanopostitis, which essentially refers to an infection of the foreskin. Uh, unfortunately, men that are not circumcised uh, do tend to suffer from this condition from time to time. It can be treated with topical antibiotics. It does tend to be quite a bit of a nuisance. Uh, and I'm here to tell our listener that the good news is that it is certainly not too late for him to undergo a circumcision. That is something that we do offer commonly in this specific male population. If this does become quite a bit of a nuisance for him, that, then that is an option for him.
0: You know, and I I would point out, Neil, too, that, A, it's never too late for circumcision if it's something somebody desires, but especially in a circumstance like this where recurrent infection or recurrent inflammation is happening, it's not only available to him, but it's really of medical necessity. So it's something that I do recommend for him to consider and seek consultation regarding circumcision.
1: Gillen Renton writes, my wife and I are trying to have children and have been for the past two years with no luck. Uh, I am 35 years old. Is this normal? At what point should I seek professional help?
2: That is a wonderful question. Our listener did add a very critical piece of information that we always look out for, and it is the time that they've been trying to conceive. And by definition, when a couple has been trying for one year and have not achieved success, that is defined as infertility. As Dr. Walsh and I would recommend uh, that this listener seek some help. And this can be in the form of seeing um, his wife's OBGYN doctor. Uh, a primary care physician, or seeing someone that specializes in infertility care, such as a male infertility expert or a female infertility expert.
0: Tom? You know, Gil, I I would say it is not normal to your question. And like Dr. Capati indicated, what defines infertility is that effort to conceive. And despite that effort after a year, you're still not successful. What we know is that about half of the couples who experience infertility about half of them, there will be a male factor. And so a great place to start and my call to action for you is to request a semen test or a semen analysis, which is a male fertility test from your healthcare provider. You can also schedule your own semen test without an order from a physician in the state of Washington. This is a a test that you can request for yourself. And a great place to do that would be at UW Men's Health. And you can Schedule that by simply calling 206-520-5000 and either requesting consultation or request testing.
1: Here's one from Jimmy in Seattle. This may seem a bit strange. I prefer women doctors. My GP is a woman, and recently I told her about my concerns about erectile dysfunction. She suggested I make an appointment with a urologist. Are there women urologists in Seattle who I can make an appointment with?
0: 100%. There are a number of fantastic female urologists uh, in the state of Washington and the city of Seattle. The Department of Urology at the University of Washington is comprised of a little over 30% of our team of physicians are women. In the Men's Health Center, just because it's called the Men's Health Center does not mean that we are just comprised of men. So I honor that and you can specifically request uh, seeing a a urologist who is a woman.
1: All right, and one final (laughs) uh, quick question from Jack in Federal Way. wants to know, Dr. Walsh, how old was the youngest patient you've treated, and how old was the oldest? Just curious.
0: So I am an adult physician, but there are certain specialty conditions for which, in our region, I'm considered to have some selective expertise. And I would say the youngest patients that I treat are around age 12 or 13, and the condition for which I see those young patients is a condition called varicocele, which are essentially painful or abnormally bloated varicose veins to the testicle. The oldest patient I've ever treated was probably near age, you know, 100, wow. and, you know, you'd have to ask me what kind of treatment did I give them, but certainly we see patients of the entire age spectrum.
2: It really depends on what exactly we are aiming to treat. So as Dr. Walsh mentioned, you know, we've treated young men uh, in, in their late teens all the way up to late 80s and 90s even. So uh, it depends on what exactly they're seeking treatment for.
1: If you've just joined us, you're listening to Men's Health Monthly, heard on 950-KJR, the last Tuesday of every month, 8 o'clock and at 7.30 a.m. on 102.5 KZOK on the last Sunday of every month. We're going to take a short break, and when we return, we'll continue our discussion with Dr. Kapadia and Dr. Walsh. We will be right back. Did you know that diabetes, heart disease, and prostate cancer procedures can contribute to erectile dysfunction? Many men aren't aware of this, or of all the treatment options that a board-certified urologist can offer. Understand your options and learn where you can find an ED specialist in Seattle to help. Visit edcure.org to get the facts and find a urologist who can offer treatment options that work when pills and injections don't. Again, that's edcure.org. Mama, who's a healthcare worker, nurses and doctors, for my father, for the marginalized communities who don't have access to adequate healthcare. for my children, my community, essential workers, transit workers, the immunocompromised, I wear a mask so we can get back to work, go to school, share a meal, see a movie, hug my friends, dance together, go to the theater, see our families, continue to show support, take
2: care of each other, Stay alive
1: stay strong. Welcome back to Men's Health Monthly. I'm Neil Scott, along with my co-host, Dr. Tom Walsh. He's the director of the UW Men's Health Center, and due to the spread of the corona COVID-19 virus, we're doing this month's program remotely. Our special guest this month by phone is Dr. Akash Kapadia. He's a senior fellow and acting instructor of andrology at the UW Men's Health Center. Tom?
0: You know, Neil, one of the things that we've often talked about is the specialized training of becoming a men's health provider or of being A urologist who specializes in men's health. We've talked a little bit about my background. You know, I was a surgical trainee here at the University of Washington, but then I left and went to the University of California, San Francisco, where for two years I did subspecialty training in the arena of men's health. You know, I entered that arena because I felt there was a real deficit of subspecialty healthcare providers who focused in the arena of men's health. And I vowed that we would be a training program for these individuals who in this population of doctors and healthcare providers that we needed to build. And so I was really excited to invite Akasha on today, who's moving closer and closer to graduation from his fellowship, a place that I was at uh, nearly 15 years ago. I wanted to emphasize the importance of this training and hear a little bit more about Akasha's experience so that patients could learn more about the type of doctors they need to choose for themselves. Well, you know, Akash, how did you arrive at a decision to do a fellowship here at UW?
2: I trained as as Neil mentioned earlier. I trained at Oregon Health and Science University, did my residency in urology, and I felt like I received a very comprehensive, very very solid training uh, in urology. As I was finishing my time in urology, I came to learn a lot from a couple of my mentors that really sort of geared my career towards men's health, specifically male infertility and sexual medicine. And I felt like I had a pretty solid training, but I just felt like there was something that I could continue to add on in my training. As I came to learn about your fellowship, I really sought this as an opportunity where I could master in the field of male infertility and sexual medicine. And I really say master because you know I think we get wonderful training in urology, but I feel like in the modern era of medicine, it's really important to hone in on very specific skills that could really separate you and help you provide the the best care to your patients.
0: You know, as you come, like I said, closer and closer to graduation, what do you think are the skills that you've really built and that you think are important to your patients who come to see you? And we'll talk a little bit about where you're going to take your career next.
2: In the setting of being in clinic, I've really learned to to talk to a lot of our men and really tease out valuable information that can help us help them. And that's something that, as much as you learn in residency, it's really hard to tease out because you're, you're very busy managing patients uh, in the hospital and seeing patients in clinic with a whole host of uh, different conditions. So this gave me the opportunity to really hone in on very specific conditions where I could be really good at helping men with very specific uh, needs.
0: And are there specific then, surgeries? That,
2: that you yeah. hope
0: to perform once you're in practice that are things that you really feel you've enhanced your skill set as part of being a fellow?
2: you know when we talk about this specific field and this specific specialty when it comes to male infertility we really specialize in performing vasectomy reversals as well as treating men with infertility with very advanced techniques of diagnosing and treating infertility and the flip side of that is treating specific conditions in sexual dysfunction particularly erectile dysfunction really mastering a, a penile prosthesis surgery and that takes quite a bit of time and I, and i just felt like I, that was something that I really took away from this year and really mastering that, that specific skill set.
1: You mentioned vasectomy reversals. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah, so, um, you know, Neil, in general, about half a million men in the U.S. undergo a vasectomy annually. We know from data that about 6 to about six to 7% of men, you know, change their mind and desire a child uh, after having undergone a vasectomy for various reasons. That particular population of men uh, require a surgery called vasectomy reversal, which is a very specialized, fine microsurgical procedure that uses very fine suture material and very specific techniques in order to have a successful outcome. And I would say that there are probably a handful of surgeons across the country that do this operation in high volume and do it very well. And I would say University of Washington is one of those centers, which was actually a very important reason why I decided to come here for my fellowship.
1: I think there's a myth that vasectomies cannot be reversed. So I think that's important to to understand that at the University of Washington Men's Health Center, that is a resource for men who have had a vasectomy and want to change their mind because of a whole lot of different reasons.
0: Yeah, you know, it's really fascinating. You Neil. Know, I hear all the time about them, this. I hear this same myth as well. And I hear it from people who I would normally think of as being in the know. Mm-hmm. You know, healthcare providers, uh, some of my colleagues don't realize just how successful the reversal of, of a vasectomy can be. Obviously, there are an, a number of different factors that contribute to success or lack of success, but with modern techniques, I would say that we achieve success more often than not. It's important to realize that that's not the only pathway to starting a family if you've had a vasectomy. Using advanced surgical sperm retrieval techniques and combining that with in vitro fertilization is also a path forward for many couples. Akash, tell us about where the next stage of your career will take you and what your plans are for, for your future as you matriculate out of advanced training in men's health.
2: Once I'm done here, which will be at the end of June, I will be joining my wife who currently lives in Atlanta, Georgia. So I will be joining a, a group called Wellstar Health System, and I will be part of the, the urology group with the Wellstar System, uh, and I will specialize in, in the field of andrology, and I'll be leading their men's health practice. In the process, I'll be sort of developing and building what you've built here at the Men's Health Center certainly my hope and my dream, at least. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. And certainly
0: in a large
2: metropolitan area like
0: Atlanta, there will be a lot of men's
2: health to deliver. I agree 100%. Um, you know, Atlanta is, is, a, is it's a very large population of the metropolitan areas, somewhere in six to eight million, uh, which is substantially uh, larger than Seattle. Whoa, it is a whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Careful looking... there. Careful there, cowboy. Sorry. Is I, it not? I was just joking. No, it's massive it not compared large? to Seattle. I was going to say, I thought, I thought I had my facts right. <laughs> it's like it's like tenfold bigger than Seattle.
1: So tell me, Dr. Walsh, how many trainees have come through the UW Men's Health Center and talk a little bit about the, the importance of subspecialties?
0: Yeah, so that's a great question, Neil, and I appreciate it. Um, because when we sat down to create a blueprint for the Men's Health Center, obviously providing excellent clinical care was first and foremost. But creating an environment where we could be sure to train the next generation and contribute to the greater good was uh, one of our top priorities as well. So it was actually part of our charter to initiate a fellowship in men's health or andrology, whichever term you prefer to use. Um, And that began when our doors opened in 2013. So since 2013, we've trained one fellow per year. Uh, We're very careful to provide a very focused experience. Um, and so we've limited our fellowship to one, one uh, fortunate person per year. We've had the luck of drawing what I like to say are the very best and the brightest from graduating urology residents around the country. Um, Akash included in that group, of course. Um, and our fellows have really dispersed to um, a highly variable group of practices around the country are ranging uh, from places like Tulane University to the University of Chicago, uh, all the way to the Medical University of South Carolina, um, and even trainees locally and regionally. Um, So, you know, we really feel like that's part of our mission that we've lived up to, which is providing that excellence in education and letting people go off, share their knowledge with others.
1: What makes the UW Men's Health Center unique, in your opinion, Dr. Kapadia?
2: I I think it goes back to the mission of University of Washington and the mission of the UW Urology Department. And I think the mission is to treat patients and provide excellent care and then to train the next generation of leaders in the field. And I think that is what is unique about uh, this program. And I think I've learned from world-class mentors in men's health and reconstruction. You know, Dr. Walsh and Dr. Wessels are are really known nationally and internationally in their specific fields. Uh, And to have that perspective on not just uh, clinic operations and learning how to run a men's health center, but also obviously the education part of it—learning uh, how to treat patients in clinic and in surgery. Uh, I think that's what makes the University of Washington really stand out. Uh, learning how to teach others too, right? You know,
0: I mean, learning. Sometimes we have to—we learn how to teach as well. Um, and I, you know, and I want to turn correct. it around too, Neil, and say that the, I think the learning goes both ways when you when you train such an advanced group of individuals. Every one of our fellows that comes through our program, I think, leaves a little something of themselves behind, and they always make us better. You know, they ignite us in a way that gives us new ideas, better approaches to doing things. It's really important in medicine, and you learn this as a medical student, and sometimes you forget it, but you keep relearning it, that we never stop learning. You know, we're always having to be better. We're always having to do things in new ways to keep, keep abreast. Medicine is not static. And I appreciate what every one of our fellows has brought to this program. And I appreciate what Akash has taught me this year.
2: In surgery, we, have, we, we leave certain namesakes, like we have the Kapadia technique that's pretty popular <laughs> nowadays.
0: <laughs> it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. You know, Akash brings up a really critical point about fellowship. Um, and it's really all about repetition. You know, Malcolm Gladwell talked about this in the book, The Outliers, that what really separates uh, the centers of excellence is the repetition and the idea that it takes hundreds or thousands of these types of complicated procedures to really become excellent. And that's what fellowship is all about. And that's what being in a center of excellence is all about. You know, places like the Men's Health Center, we're very focused and we tend to do a few things, but we do them exceptionally well. And that's where the that's where the training lies in the the repeated surgeries over and over again that have such excellent outcomes.
1: If people want to find out more about the UW Men's Health Center, where should they go, Tom?
0: A couple of places. Number one, please just go to uwmedicine.org and you can learn all about our clinical center. Just type into the search window, Men's Health, and it'll take you right there. You can also just type into your searches in uh, University of Washington Urology. And this is probably our most comprehensive website that talks all about the Men's Health Center. And it talks all about our fellowship too, what really sets UW. The Medicine and the University of Washington decided that we are a training environment and this really enriches what we do and how we're able to provide the best care to our patients. And I think learning about how we teach and who's involved in your care is really critically important. It's one of the greatest assets we have. That wraps up the May edition of Men's Health Monthly featuring
1: special guest Dr. Akash Kapadia. He's a senior fellow at the University of Washington. Men's Health Monthly airs on the last Tuesday of every month at 8 p.m. on Sports Radio 950 KJR. And on the last Sunday of the month, 7.30 a.m. on 102.5 KZOK, Seattle's classic rock station. If you have a question for my co-host, Dr. Walsh, please send an email to the anonymous inbox at menshealthmonthly at iheartmedia.com. We will not reveal your identity. A reminder that next month, June, is National Men's Health Month, the perfect time to make health changes that perhaps you have been putting off. When was the last time? When was the last time you had a physical? When was the last time you saw your doctor? When was the last time you had a PSA test? Or if you're over 50 and have a history of colon cancer in your family, when's the last time you had a colonoscopy? June's the perfect time to take care of your male business. If you have a healthcare provider, give him or her a call and set up an appointment during the month of June. You'll be glad you did, and so will those who love you. And if you don't have a regular healthcare provider, visit uwmedicine.org. They can hook you up with a doc and get you in quickly. On behalf of my co-host, Dr. Walsh and Dr. Kapadia, I'm Neil Scott wishing you good health and good sense in matters relating to men's health. Stay safe and be kind to one another. Thanks for listening.
0: You've been listening to Men's Health Monthly with Dr. Tom Walsh, Associate Professor of Urology at the University of Washington and Director of the UW Men's Health Center. And your host, Neil Scott.